Uh, but last week we talked about the first point there in your notes. If you have it, it should already be filled out. And um, I'm just going to kind of recap that before we move on. But the first point was this, God commands and rewards faithfulness. And, and we didn't take a full examination of all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, but I, you can take my word for it. I hopefully, hopefully you're studying it yourself. But you can find throughout all of the Old Testament, New Testament, the whole counsel of God's Word, that that is the fact, that is the truth, that God both commands and He rewards faithfulness to Him. And uh, again, Paul and Barnabas, we saw, were driven by love. And I, I believe that. I believe according to what Scripture says, according to what we've seen in their life, they had the right why. And we talked about that. We talked about what our why is. And I believe as Christians, Jesus gave it very clearly that we, we should be driven by the same exact why that these men were driven by in this first century, in this first church. And that was, again, a love for the Lord above everything else. Uh, just kind of a little point of emphasis, I think it's important this morning. One of the things that we talked about um, over the, the, the weekend was uh, the, a few, few men. One of them was Jonah. And it's interesting that at one point in time, uh, Jonah's sulking and pouting, and, and God caused a plant to spring up uh, to, to kind of shade him. And, and he was enamored with this plant. He, he was satisfied in the plant, not in in God, not in what God had done for him and could do for him and commanded him to do, but he, he got infatuated with that. And we were talking about that in our lessons, and it's, it's so interesting, even as the people of God today, there's not really anything new under the sun. We can become so enamored with the most, you know, simple, temporal, you know, fad that comes along in our life. Oh, this is what I'm excited about right now. Oh, this is what makes me happy right now. Oh, this is what pleases me right now. And we can become exactly like that in our life and forget what we're doing and why we're supposed to be doing it on this earth. Our why is supposed to be love. And I, I pray that you're praying like I'm praying, and that is that God would deepen our love for Him and our love for others. Uh, but again, it should be our love for Christ above all. And that love for, for Christ above all allows us to love others the way that he's commanded us to love, even like we've seen in, in Paul and Barnabas. They've been persecuted. They've been ridiculed. They've been slandered. Their names have been trashed. They've been persecuted physically. All these things are going on, and yet we see them continually going back to the same group of people, the Jews, going back to the same place, the synagogue, to do the same exact thing, and that's preach the Word of God. Again, that's where we see the faithfulness that God has commanded and rewarded. But last week, we saw this testimony in them that was a confirmation of this truth that we're talking about this morning, this love for Christ that breeds obedience to Christ. And I, I hope that you and I don't miss, miss out on that. We're living in a time where things are changing at a rapid pace in our world. And we're, we're living in such a weird time. We talked about that uh, this weekend as well. Even, even uh, yesterday, I believe, we were just talking about how, how weird the world is. And, and I, I believe this 100%. I, I don't believe we're going back. I don't believe our world is going back. And I hopefully that doesn't discourage you. Say, oh, well, I came to church today. I was just completely depressed and discouraged. No, 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 no. It's a part of God's plan. Uh, it, it has to continue on down this road. It, and, and, and this is the thing that concerns me and worries me about all of us as, as Americans specifically. We, we are so pleased with our American way of life. That's what pleases us. Think about it. 
Man, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated whenever the internet doesn't work. Right? What happened last February when our electricity went out for a couple days? We get frustrated. When, is the, when are they going to fix this? When are they going to, you know, we, 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 we are so pleased. What pleases us in our life is this temporal, super blessed life we live in America. And think about this, if it was all stripped away. Think about if, if every modern convenience, everything that we love and enjoy about this, this, this life we're living was taken away. And all you had was Christ and his people and his mission to share his word, his gospel with those who are perishing for eternity. What if that's all you had? What if that was all that's left? Again, I believe that when we love Christ more than anything, again, Scripture says it breeds obedience. I want to obey Him. I, you don't have to twist my arm, coming to, to church, reading the Bible, sharing the gospel, praying, giving. Anything that's commanded in Scripture is no longer something that I have to do, something that I am required to do, something that God's going to, you know, punish me. You know, I'm not saying that in quotes like that because that's the mindset that some people have is that if I don't do what God wants me to do, He's going to punish me, which, yes, whom the Lord loves, He chastens. But we aren't supposed to be living under this, this, this threat that God's just waiting for us to mess up. God loves us. As his people, he loves us and he wants to use us or he wouldn't keep us here and he wants to bless us. But man, it's a, it should be a joy. And we talked about that. Man, what a, there's no greater joy on this earth than to be in a personal relationship with a God who created us. He afforded that through the death of his son. He came and paid a price himself personally. The only sacrifice that was worthy, Jesus Christ paid in our place. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So again, just the amazing thought that God gives us this opportunity, this love for Christ should breed this obedience and, and not just a convenient obedience. And I want to I make sure that we, we, we point that out this morning before we move forward is this. Our, our obedience to Christ shouldn't be based on how convenient it is for us to obey him. Did you hear that? Our obedience to our Lord shouldn't be based on how convenient it is for us to do that. Well, we really got some other stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just stop calling him our God then. Let's just stop calling him our Lord. If other things can trump the things of God, if, if other commands and other requirements can, can take the place of, of what God has commanded, then let's stop calling him our God and our Lord. Stop. He's not. We need to stop doing that. If he is truly not, because the scripture clearly reveals he is Lord of all. In our life, or he is not Lord at all. It's all or nothing. Again, it's something we talked about this, this weekend. It's all or nothing with Jesus Christ. And, and, and somebody said, yeah, but there's so many different factors. Listen, when we live with this guiding principle of why love for Jesus, then we're not looking for a convenient way to obey him. We're not looking for a convenient way out of obeying him. 
He is our Lord. He is sovereign over us. He is everything to us. He is, he is our world, as, as, as we see throughout the writings. And even with the Apostle Paul, he, he talks about this, this finish line, this, this great joy to be able to be with Jesus finally. In Philippians, he talks about it. He talks about how, how it, was, it, it would be far greater to leave this world and be with Jesus. And again, this obedience that we have because of the love we have for Christ is not convenient. Again, we see it's faithful obedience. And so the question that I ask, or just kind of ask again to this group this morning is, are you faithful? Are you faithful to obey the commands of who you call your Lord and your God? Are you faithful to him? So are you asking for perfection? I'm not, I didn't talk about sinless perfection. No, there, there's none of us who are righteous in ourselves. There's none of us who, who, are, who are perfect and sinless in ourselves. Again, that we would be the righteousness of God is based off of Jesus Christ's work, not on our own merit. But are you faithful? And, and, and again, it goes back to the most important question is why are you faithful to obey him? I pray there's no Christian in this room that is here because you have to be here. You're supposed to be here. Well, it's because what Christians are saying. I hope not, man. You're missing so much of a personal walk with Jesus if, if you're here because you have to be. Can you imagine if that's how Jesus thought about you when he was hanging on that cross? Well, I have to die for them. Hebrews tells us this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the despising shame. He, 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 he went to the cross for us out of great love and affection so that we would have this personal, intimate walk with him on a daily basis through this temporal world. But for all of eternity, he loved us so much. And so why in the world, if we love him, would it ever look like an obligation? Why in the world would it ever look like because I have to do it? Man, for the child of God, for the one who's walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is a great joy and privilege and honor to do anything for Jesus. To gather in his name, to tell someone about him, to, to be a blessing and, and help someone in his name. Man, we're called to faithfulness. But faithfulness motivated by love. This week we move forward and see this point too in our text and I think it's a very, very, very important point both now, for right now, and for, for the days that are, that are ahead of us. And so let's pray real quick and, and see this. Father, thank you again for all you do in our life. Thank you so much for what we've already experienced this morning. Uh, Lord, you are worthy uh, of all of our praise. You are worthy of, of us gathering for you all the time. Well, there may become a day that we are uh, doing this more often because uh, it's, it's, it's our source. It's, uh, it, it's so, so important to be your people, united, gathered in your name, uh, not only to worship you, but to encourage one another, to exhort one another, and even more so as we see the day of your return drawing closer. And uh, Lord, help us, to, um, help us not to miss the moment right now. Help us not to miss this opportunity we have and the freedoms you've given us, the blessings that you poured out, help us to uh, receive from you, your spirit, what you have 
uh, for all of us in this place. And we'll praise you for what you do, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 14, we pick up verse 2. But the Jews who disbelieved, again, remember, they, they showed up to another synagogue. They preached. There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of excitement going on, a lot of things going on here. But the Jews who disbelieved didn't like what was going on. So they stirred up the minds of the Gentiles. And they, they pitted them against them. They embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly. And listen to these words, with reliance upon the Lord. Not on if people liked what they were saying, not on how popular they were, not on if, the, if, if, it was, if they appeared to be cool. They spent their time speaking boldly there, relying on the Lord. And they were testifying to the word of his grace, granting si that signs and wonders be done by their hands. So again, we see this missionary team facing persecution, lies, opposition, on and on and on in every way, yet they keep speaking boldly. Again, this faithfulness, this resolve, this reliance on God is so important, so valuable for us to take an example from today. And the Bible says, if you look back in the text, it says they did this for a long time. They did it for a long time. When we were talking about this morning uh, before the service started, and um, there's, there's a couple of things that uh, can, I, I can lose my patience with. You know some of them. We won't revisit some of them. But uh, one of the things that that does is when Christmas lights uh, on the Christmas tree don't light up, right? And like, not just one, because you can, you can see that one, oh, there's a light bulb out. So you take a, a new light bulb and you put the new light bulb in and bing! comes on you're like yeah all right but then when it's a whole strand of lights that doesn't come on I can't stand it I, I, I can't take it it's 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 something that and, and I can take it if, if I can say oh, okay it's because this bulb's out and put a new bulb in or or maybe because this you find a solution but when there's no rhyme or reason why the whole strand of lights doesn't line up to me I'm like just throw the whole thing away I don't even care But that's how we live our lives, right? <laughs> that's, that's how most of us live our lives. Maybe not you, but that's how we live our lives, right? We get in the middle, uh, we, we, we approach a, a roundabout, and somebody's sitting in the middle of the roundabout, right? <laughs> taking a view of all the cars, taking a spin around the roundabout. I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, the, sometimes they're like, ah, what are you doing? You know, I mean, we, we, we can lose our patience with different things in this life, but typically, that's how we're being wired, specifically in, in America, I believe. We, we have this lack of patience, right? I think that even goes further into our spiritual walks, right? Because I, I think that, that if you're a child of God, you do desire to be close to God. You do want to walk with the Lord. You want to have that. I, I bet you, if I ask you, and I'm not going to do it, don't raise your hand, but if I ask you to raise your hand, how many of you know that you know that you know that you're saved this morning, you're on your way to heaven, but you don't believe you have a close enough walk with the Lord. That, that you could say this morning, you could raise your hand, you could say, I, I should be reading my Bible better, more faithfully, more in depth. I should be praying on a more faithful and regular basis. I should be communing with God and worshiping Him more faithfully. I, I should be doing, I think, I think that most of us in this room would raise our hands and say, yeah, absolutely. Some in here might even say, man, I, I want to do that, but I'm, my personal walk with the Lord is almost non-existent. And I believe part of that is because we are conditioned by convenience 
And so we get so impatient, even spiritual things. If I said, how many of you in here would love to be able to just come to this altar this morning and say, God, I want to be closer to you, leave back to your seat, and immediately you were closer to God. I think everybody in here would be like, sign me up, yes. I would love to do that. Just give me a one-time dose, give me a pill, give me something that I could, that I could take, and I would be closer to God. That way I could just, it would be just done with in my life, and then this, from this point forward, I'll be closer to God. But, but we don't. We don't often take the time, the effort, the energy, have the patience to pursue the heart of our Lord, to learn of Him and to learn from Him. We don't, we don't have that, that endurance in that. And so I believe that that pours over into other areas of our spiritual life. We talked about all ago, the convenience areas. Well, if it doesn't work for me, I just won't do it. If it doesn't work for my schedule, I'm just not going to do it. The Bible says that these men were, were doing this for a long time in the face of adversity, in the face of opposition. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. It wasn't something that, that everybody was signing up to do and be a part of. Look what happens. Verse 4, but the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews and some of the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Jews and the Gentiles with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it, and they fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And look at what verse 7 says. And there they continued to preach the gospel. It, it wasn't something that was up for debate. It wasn't something up for discussion. It wasn't something that they had to come up with a new mission statement or a new vision uh, statement. It wasn't something that's, okay, we're going to have to figure something else out because every city we go in, we're trying this model of preaching the gospel to the Jew first and also the Gentile. They want to kill, kill us. They want to stone us. They, we're not liked. We're not popular. This is not fun. They go to the next region and they continue doing the same thing of preaching the gospel. But notice back there that the, the city they, they left, the city they were in, was completely divided. And the scripture tells us they were divided by what was being taught, what was being preached. The Bible tells us that the word that we, we use for teach is, is doctrine or uh, teaching, I mean, doctrine. This teaching that they were Teaching this, these, this, this uh, theology, if you will, this message that they were bringing is what divided the city. And doctrine is still doing the same thing today. It's dividing people today. It's dividing the lost who are on their way to an eternity in the lake of fire, facing the wrath of God on their sin, forever and those who have been redeemed by the grace of almighty god it doctrine still divides that group because it is that doctrine of god's grace it, it it's dividing truth and lies today and i think it's so important that we as believers as the church of jesus christ that me as a pastor that, that all of our teachers and our group leaders and our children's ministry teachers and workers and leaders who have this mandate to do the same thing, to rightly divide the word of truth, to rightly handle the word of truth, that we never compromise true or sound doctrine. It is, it is so vital 
that this church, that this body of believers never wavers from preaching the truth of God's word. Because I promise you, you could, you could probably throw a rock and hit a place that is more interested in teaching and preaching what sounds good and feels good than what God's word actually says. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to, to, to do that. But we have a mandate from God. I have a mandate from God. And it's so vital that we hold to that. And again, I said, that's for right now and that's for the days to come. Because I promise you, it's only going to become more difficult to hold to sound doctrine in the days to come. Point number two in your notes is doctrine still does unite and it still does divide. Doctrine still unites and doctrine still divides. I, I want to look at some epistles, some letters, and, and we're not going to be super long in this. But I'm going I'm to read this text uh, because pa the Apostle Paul, who, who we're looking at in the first part of his, um, his missionary journeys here, is eventually going to write to his son in the ministry, who is, who is Timothy. And this is going to be at the end of his ministry, the end of his life, basically. And he's going to give Timothy some very important instructions as a teacher, as a preacher, as a believer, as a leader, in light of the end times. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says this, Now the Spirit expresses, expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. At the end of the church, at the end of the age, there are going to be some who depart from the faith. And here's what they'll do. They'll do so by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. They do things like forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And it's not so much that they'll teach these things, but they'll teach them as a religion. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and prayer. And listen to what he says to Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, these, these doctrines that you've received. Being trained in the words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. Listen to what he says. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Isn't that interesting? And there's so many things going on in our world. There's so, so many things being said, so many things being spoken out there in, in the interwebs and uh, so, many, so, many, so much stuff that's out there. Paul tells Timothy, you don't need to get entangled with that kind of silly stuff. Instead, you should train yourself for godliness. And then he says this, now, bodily training is of some value, but godliness... Training for godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's, it's okay if you're in, in, uh, involved in, in, in bodily exercise, exercise, physical exercise, but you never should miss the most valuable thing, and that's training spiritually. He says this is a, this is a trustworthy and deserving of a full, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. He says to Timothy, command and teach these things. 
Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, he says, devote yourself, be faithful, be committed to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy. When the council of elders lay their hands on you, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress, so that it's, it's evident you are seeking Christ, that you're following him, and keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, on the doctrine, make sure you're careful about teaching the right doctrine. Persist in this, he says. Be faithful in this. Endure in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and the hearers. The next epistle he would write to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2 it's a little bit longer section of scripture I'm going to read, but I want you to just engage this with me. This is, this is Paul the Apostle, this faithful servant, at the end of his life, end of his ministry, writing to that same Timothy, saying, this is what you need to be sure of. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not, not by anything in the world, not by anyone in the world, but you as a servant of God, you as a child of God, draw your strength from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who themselves could turn around and teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Don't look for convenience. Don't look for, for an easy life. Don't look for those things. Be a soldier. And even if it means sharing in the suffering, because no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit and since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. He switches from the, the, the army and the military example and model to an athletic one. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hard, and then he switches in another gear. It's a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains like I'm a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. I love that so much. Paul's writing to Timothy. He's in a prison cell. He's, he's chained. He's going to die. And he's encouraging from a prison cell Timothy to follow the same path. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I hate to think of what the world's going to look like in five years. I hate to, to think of what it's going to look like in ten years for our kids. I mean, it, it's, it's already an ugly world right now. The, our, our, our kids are seeing and experiencing and living in a culture that many my age and older, we never even, I had no idea. I had no idea. When I was a kid, you, you, if you would have told me some of the things now that our kids are facing, I'd be like, that's crazy. No way. Paul's telling Timothy, follow the same path that I'm taking. Be so devoted, so obedient to Christ that it would lead you to the same place that it's led me. 
I would say to all of our kids and our young people, it's worth it. It's worth following Christ that much. Maybe you're a young person and a, and a kid in here and say, well, I, I wouldn't want to go to prison for Jesus. I would tell you it's worth it. It's worth it. And if the day comes where me or other adults in this place are thrown in prison because we won't compromise preaching the gospel, I'm telling you now, hear my voice. It's worth it. Amen. It, it would be worth it for you to follow the same path. That's what he's telling Timothy as well. Because no matter what you do to the child of God, no matter what you do, the word of God is not bound. So he says, that's what gives me encouragement. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. No, no matter what, I'll go through anything for the church. I'll face whatever suffering it is because I know it's worth it. They also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we stay committed, if, if our faith is real, we'll reign with him. If we deny him, it'll be obvious he'll deny us. If we're faithless, the amazing thing is he remains faithful. Nothing changes about God. He can't deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Don't fight and argue about things which does no good. It only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth. Avoid irreverent babble, because it will lead people into more un, and more ungodliness. Their talk will spread like gangrene. It's just like what happened, he said, to Hymenaeus and Philetus. That's what happened to them. They swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection already happened, and they're upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, and it bears this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there's not only vessels of gold and of silver, but there's also vessels of wood and clay. Some of these vessels are honorable for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of what's dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace, along with those who call from the Lord, on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Why? Why should we not? Because you know they breed quarrels, they breed fights, dissension. So the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But understand this in the next chapter, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. It's going to get really bad in the end. So I said, well, I'll go. Don't, not about being discouraged about the, 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 the realization of what Scripture says. Why is it going to be so difficult in the end? Why is it going to be so dangerous? Why is the world going to be such a difficult place to live in? Because people be lovers of themselves. They'll be about them. And not only will they be all about themselves and saturated with self and all about what they want and what's best for them, but they'll also be lovers of money. Remember what Jesus said? You can't serve God and money. 
Remember he said, don't store up yourselves treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. But in the end, people are going to be so infatuated. Look, you, you, know what, you know what bothers me about what's going on in our world today? I don't like the gas prices. I don't like what's going on with our economy. I don't like the supply junk. I don't like any of that stuff. I think there's a bunch of junk that's going on in our world. I hate it. I don't like it. But you know what is even more disheartening to me? Is that is the Bible says there's no thought of God in their mind at all. The morality is septic. We're living in this. Lovers of money. We would we were more, it's more important to us that what is in our bank or what, what our bank account does is more important to us than things of God than the things of God. Proud and arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. Man, you, you, you can spend just a little bit of time on social media and see that the, the world we're living in is heartless. I mean, when, when people can video other people just hurting other people and laughing at it, killing other people and laughing at it, when that kind of junk is out there and it's just spread and it's going viral, something is sick with our world. This is the world we're living in. Heartless, unappeasable, can't please them. That's why we always have to upgrade all of them. We're in it. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, right? It's such, an, it's such a weird thing. You, uh, we have contracts for everything, but how, how often are contracts held out? I mean, even, I mean, think about this. Think about these, these, these athletes that that's make, they make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's not good enough. So much so that they're willing to, I need to restructure my contract. So is that treacherous? No, I'm just saying people don't keep their word. It's hard, it's hard to, to find people who say, you know what, this is, the, this is what it is. Reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He continues on with that thought, having the appearance of godliness. Man, they, well, I think they're a Christian. Yeah, I mean, they have the appearance of godliness. But they deny its power. How are they deny its power? It's not seen in their life. There's other things that have power over them. There are other people that have power over them. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They deny the power of God. Avoid such people, he says. Whoa. <laughs> Avoid those people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. These people are always learning yet never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in their minds and disqualified regarding the faith. But they're not going to get very far because their following will be made plain to all as it was of those two men. Yet, however... I'm sorry, you, however, have followed my teaching, my doctrine, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, I made it through them, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, Timothy, this is the truth. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
While evil people and imposters, they'll go from bad to worse. They'll, 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 they'll be deceived and just keep on deceiving. But as for you, child of God, you, servant of God, you, minister of God, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from a childhood you've been acquainted with those sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and of the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? Why was it so important for Timothy then? Why is it so important for me now, for you now? Why is it so important for us to do this? Why? Because the time is coming, and now is, when people won't endure sound teaching. They won't want to hear that we should be obedient. They don't want to hear that we should love God more than, than our activities, that we should love God more than the things of the, we should love God more than our money. We should love God. They want to hear stuff like that. They're going to hear that we can still live our lives the way we want to live them and have this golden ticket to heaven. There's coming a time when people, they can't endure sound doctrine. They'll have itching ears, and, and because they have these ears that they want to have tickled, and, and their consciences they want to have soothed, they'll accumulate for them teachers. Isn't that interesting? At this point in time it was being written, there wasn't internet, there wasn't YouTube, there weren't podcasts, there weren't anything like that. And yet, I promise you today, there's a lot of people that, that try to have themselves and their consciences and their ears tickled and soothed by as many people as they can tune into. And I'm not saying you listen to podcasts or YouTube and you, found, you, you have people who are also teaching sound doctrine. That, that's great. But it's interesting that he would say that they'll accumulate for themselves teachers, plural, that'll suit their own passions. I don't know they could have done that in their different regions and, and, and cities, but they're going to do this. And as they're accumulating people that will please themselves, they'll turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. Opinions, cultural trends, personal issues, worldly happenings, disease, preferences, name it, any, anything like that, have never and should never ultimately divide the people of God. Doctrine has, sadly. Some have left off doctrine. Some have gone off to heap to them teachers. But what doctrine, doctrine should do for us who are the children of God in this place is it should unite us. We, we should rally around truths like saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We should, we should be united and, and, and so resolved that, that we have a king who is risen. We, we, should, we should be so united and so together. It should, it should be something that glues us together that we have a heavenly home with Christ Jesus because 
of his work on our behalf because of the gift that he's given to us. The other things in this world shouldn't divide us. The doctrine of the people of God should unite us. It should unite us more, more than anything in the world. You may like the same sports team as, as another believer. You may like the same hobby as, as another believer. But those things should not draw a closer affection and unity than what we have in Scripture. What we have in Scripture should, should produce a bond and a unity that is unlike anything else in the world. Doctrine truly unites. But when we stray from sound teaching, that's when the division can happen. And sound teaching will not be popular to the unregenerate person, but it also won't be popular to the person who is trying to please their flesh or live for the world. It will divide. That's what John said in 1 John chapter 2. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Because if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out so that it would be plain that they were not of us. I'm going to urge you, Christian, this morning, if you're a child of God this morning, as we do, I believe, not just inch closer to the Lord's return, but I believe we're bounding closer to the Lord's return. Be faithful. Be faithful more now than you ever have been before. Now is the time for the church to unite around sound doctrine. Now is the time. Right now is the time. Church, please hear it. Now is the time for us to get really serious about being faithful to Christ. Why? Because the time's coming when there's going to be fewer and fewer of us. That's what Scripture says. The time's coming when it's going to become more and more difficult to be faithful to sound doctrine. That's what we read. The time's coming when it's going to be way more difficult to live out and to share the good, good news of the gospel, the gospel. The time's coming, and I'm telling you this, if we're not already doing it, it's going to catch us in a place that we're vulnerable, and it might just consume us. Be bold. Hold to sound doctrine. Be faithful. Don't be seeking what pleases you. Seek what pleases God. Be known as a lover of truth. Be bold in the truth. Be a soldier for the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the challenge you've given to me. Thank you for um, the challenge you've given to our church. Lord, we know that Lord, the, the world that we're living in now looks like a different world than it did a couple years ago. Uh, Lord, we're, we're living in a time where there is just, it seems like just such a great uptick of fear in so many different ways. Uh, even with what we saw, uh, we were saying this morning, the inflation and the news of, of what's going on in our world is, it seems to be perpetually negative, Lord, and I mean, we have our hope in you alone. We know as your people that you've given us uh, your word and you've given us clear instruction and you've given us promises that, that gives us hope well beyond this world. And I pray that that's where we would dwell, that we would dwell in your word, that we would, uh, we would trust in you, that we would right now determine even this morning in this service, at this altar call, to be more faithful, to pursue you with more desperation than we did 
maybe when we walked in this place today. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to remember how important doctrine is. Help us to remember how important it is for us to hold to true, sound doctrine. Lord, that's what's going to hold us together when things get even darker and, and the world seems even more um, hopeless. Lord, we'll be united in you, and, and doctrine will unite us. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll just move now as we respond to your word and uh, help us respond rightly in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as the music plays, I want to invite you to come.